You're listening to On The Money with Dynamic Funds, the podcast series that delivers access, insights, and perspective from some of the industry's most respected active managers and thought leaders. From market commentaries and economic analysis to personal finance, investing, and beyond, On The Money covers it all. Because when it comes to your money, we're on it. Welcome to this special edition of On The Money. I'm your host, Mark Brisley. Joining me today are two of our investment management professionals here at Dynamic Funds. Chief Investment Strategist, Miles Ziblock, who has over 25 years of investment industry experience, where he has guided and advised on asset allocation for a diverse set of institutional and retail advisors across North America, Europe, and Asia. I'm also joined by Vice President and Senior Portfolio Manager, Jason Gibbs. Jason has over 20 years of investment management experience and is the co-head of our equity income investment team here at Dynamic. The intent of today's podcast is to provide an overview of major headline issues in the financial sector and their impact on investing, inflation, interest rates, and financial stability. In addition, we're going to discuss our perspectives on maintaining perspective in complex times like these and the importance of professional advice professional money management, and staying on track with your longer-term financial goals. So I'm going to start with a question to Miles. If you could bring investors listening in today up to date with what has happened, specifically with the U.S. regional bank scenario, and then ultimately what we've seen evolve more globally with issues like Credit Suisse. Yeah, hello, Mark, and thank you. It's a pleasure uh, to be with you today. Uh, As you mentioned, uh, we have had three U.S. regional bank failures, uh, Silvergate Signature and and Silicon Valley Bank. And the fear is that there could be more. Um, Regional banks' deposits have been growing as a share of liabilities for over a decade. And it's estimated that over 40% of the deposits are uninsured and therefore um, highly runnable. Uh, and the opportunity cost of holding deposits at the smaller U.S. banks has risen, especially given that deposit rates are still near 0%, uh, while money market rates are now 400 basis points or 4 percentage points higher than those deposit rates. So there's a risk that the downward pressure on the deposit base will persist, and this could create some additional pressure on the regional banks over coming weeks or, or months. The regional bank stock index in the U.S. has declined by uh, 33% in March so far over concerns that these banking industry issues might not be over. And then the sense of financial industry unease uh, was recently magnified by the troubles that you pointed to there, uh, the troubles for Credit Suisse. You know, this bank was classified as one of 30 global systemically important banks. The 30 banks on the list are deemed by the regulatory authorities uh, to be of such importance that, you know, a failure could generate conditions for Uh, a wider financial or economic problem. As you know, there was a forced merger between Credit Suisse and and UBS uh, recently. And, and, you know, under the guidance of the regulators, this merger, I think, will go a good way to uh, reducing some of the immediate risk in the financial system. 
And Miles, you know, based on these events, does this change the way you view the stability of here at home with our Canadian banks? And how do they differ from what we're seeing happening in the U.S. and European sectors? You know, I wouldn't go so far as to say that there is no risk in the Canadian banking system, but the Canadian banking industry is is on a solid foundation. Uh, our banks are, are well capitalized. They have uh, diversified business models and funding sources, and you know they have to meet strict liquidity standards set out by the federal regulators. Canadian banking industry is is well recognized uh, for its let's call it its prudent risk management practices, uh, stringent government oversight, and, and very sensible regulation. And you know, banking crises, at least historically speaking, have have often been rooted as crisis of confidence. And recent surveys by both the Bank of Canada and the International Monetary Fund not only acknowledge the strong capitalization levels of, of Canadian banks, but show a high degree of confidence from market participants in our country's financial system. And let me just put what we're seeing into perspective, especially when it comes to the Canadian situation. There have been no bank failures in Canada during the Great Depression, World War II, uh, the 70s, 1970s energy crises, the dot-com collapse, or the great financial crisis. And if, you know, if memory serves me correctly, there have only been two bank failures in, in the past 100 years. And, and those both occurred in the mid-1980s, and they were, they were quite specific situations to the two banks that were involved. So again, uh, Canada has a, has a very strong foundation. Uh, its banking industry is on a very solid foundation. Jason? There have been so many headlines surrounding these events. What advice would you give investors who may be nervous about their investments and a lot of that just having to do with listening to the information being communicated mostly through the media and that media overload? Great question, Mark. One, I always say, you know, it's perfectly natural to feel stress at times like these, especially when we're bombarded, as you said, with negative news on a fairly constant basis when things go wrong. But if you have any chance of being a successful investor, you need to recognize that our first impulse at times like these, because we're all humans, uh, is to, to, to flee and feel stress. That's the first impulse to find safety. Uh, what I would call and what others have called kind of level one thinking. Now, the problem is, especially when it comes to investing, that is often always in the long run, the exact wrong thing to do. Uh, markets cannot be timed. Look, we live in a world and, and life is something that is that is not a straight line of, of just happiness every day. I mean, things do go wrong. You cannot flee to safety every time something goes wrong as an investor, because what's going to happen, you will miss those days when the market turns. And there's a lot of data out there, and I know Miles has it, that if an investor misses those big, big up days in the market when things turn, it's really going to harm your, your portfolio for the long run. Uh, the other thing I would say is that you just you can't let the day-to-day -day news cycle distract you from the prime goal of what we're all trying to do, and that's own a properly diversified portfolio of the best businesses we can find. And these are businesses that offer essential services, have moats, pricing power, and 
most importantly, they're going to be around in 5, 10, 15 years when everyone has forgotten what happened in March of 2023. And I remember what my, my colleague uh, Stephen Hall mentioned this on a podcast with, uh, with Tom Dicker in our, in our equity income group recently. Warren Buffett, in his recent letter to investors, gave the example of buying Coca-Cola in 1994, when I think we were going through another interest rate hiking cycle, uh, he bought 400 million shares, or he had 400 million shares of Coca-Cola, spent $1.3 billion to get that investment. He had $75 million of dividends coming in on that investment. And as he said in his letter, you, you fast forward to 2022, and he's done nothing, I think, on that investment, and the dividend is $704 million on a $1.3 billion position. That's, it's simply an example of, uh, of you know, something that Warren Buffett has put out there publicly. And that, that's one, just one example of the power of letting the compounding be, just let it be in, in the great businesses that are out there. Don't try and time around macro events and because you're just gonna get in trouble. And, and so for us, Mark, we really stick to those essential businesses and in, in diversified sectors, right? Uh, keep it very diversified. Keep an eye on the balance sheet, whether it's utilities, consumer companies, financial companies, telecom technology, on and on. And you're going to be fine. So that's what we always think about. It's such a great point, Jason. And you know, I think many investors listening to this call and the three of us together, you know, went through the 2008 financial crisis. Miles, are we about to repeat this in this particular instance? You know, I, I don't think so, Mark. Uh, back in 2007, 2008, you were dealing with a very large and global real estate problem that eventually uh, engulfed some of the largest banks in America uh, and in the world. And because of that crisis, regulators have forced the most important banks in, in particular to greatly increase their, their capital strength and liquidity ratios. Uh, and today, uh, we have a situation that seems, at least to this stage, largely confined to uh, several regional banks, which have very concentrated uh, deposit relationships that are, you know, mostly above the two hundred and fifty thousand dollar deposit insurance limit, and, and you know, some of these banks uh, also made some very bad bets. The regional bank situation seems it, it does seem to be quite specific to the U.S., uh, where there was perhaps some people would argue a softer application of the the capitalization rules and and that enabled some of these smaller banks to run up uh, higher risks than what has been allowed among among the larger banks so again i don't think that this is like 2008 at all and given the broader market concerns gee we hear about them every day and probably since we've emerged from the pandemic inflation interest rates and now the possibility of a recession Jason, how are you managing, as an investment professional, the risk-return trade-offs? Well, the first thing I'd say, Mark, is episodes like this, which again, we seem to see something happen every year that was not predicted, but episodes like this really should crystallize it for people that trying to make short-term predictions about interest rates and economies and recessions or no recession is, is impossible. 
I mean, no one was talking about regional banks two weeks ago. Nobody, right? I didn't see it in any looking forward forecast. We should be careful about regional banks. And this is just what happened, similar to the beginning of 2020. No one was really talking about we should be thinking about a pandemic. So again, as a portfolio manager and an investor, you can't get caught up in trying to time around these things and thinking about what macro might happen. You have to be very aware of it, but you can't get caught up in that and try and time it. Now, second, Mark, we always focus on stepping back from the day-to-day -day noise and keeping it to security selection. What is this business worth? Depending on the fund, we may own 30, 40 or more securities, the best businesses that we can find. Every day, we're trying to figure out what is the business worth in our mind? What is the market today, the auction known as the market think it's worth? And does that give us an opportunity? Is the security cheap? Is it fairly valued? Or is it expensive? And what we don't do is change our models every second day for what might be happening to interest rates or what might happen to the economy next month. That would, you know, no one should think about businesses that way. Just as if you, you owned a private business, whether it was, say, an apartment building or a farm or, or your own private business, you're not going to be changing your value every single day. So we're looking forward many years and always remember that stocks over the long term are very directly correlated to earnings growth, right? What are the earnings going to be? And then we think about uh, diversified portfolios, like trying to put together a diversified portfolio, what, what we like to call a stew. And, and one thing, Mark, that still confuses people a lot, I know, is that the market is a discounting mechanism. It's always looking forward. So the thought that reading the news today and then trying to trade around that, that can get you in a lot of trouble. The market will look over the valley very, very quickly when it uh, starts to see uh, a change happening in terms of what's happening with the current situation. Now, uh, short term, I would say it's probably doesn't take a big leap to say that uh, banks will likely cut back on a certain amount of loan growth. So you may see a bit of credit contraction from here. I don't think it takes a leap to uh, make that conclusion. But again, in the long term, if you own the best businesses, uh, the earnings will be there on the, over the long term. So that's what we're looking at. I mean, we certainly see some opportunities on a daily basis, given what's going on in the markets uh, today. And I would note, as we've all seen, I think very quietly, interest rates as we speak today, have certainly declined fairly substantially just over the past month. And even if you look at the dividend yield of uh, the TSX, it's now above the uh, interest rate yield on the 10-year Canada bond, which it's uh, kind of happened very quietly. So that's what we think about, Mark. Jason, with you know your years of experience, and I know you have a real personal interest in this subject, we're going to see good and bad behaviors or you know maybe that category of just can't help ourselves with the influence that we get from you know the information that's constantly being thrown at us what can you offer our investors that are listening to help manage the emotional side of you know looking at their investments and their finances and staying on track with their long-term financial plan it's a great point mark i'd first make the point that this can make or break your success as an investor. Often, I think this is the most important thing that people should think about handling their emotions when it comes to investing. It can really make or break you. If you think about 
the peaks and valleys of investing in and the peaks and valleys of life. I mean, when you think about stocks and markets, it is humans behind the pricing of those securities and humans can have periods of euphoria and periods of depression. It's been, it, so the first thing I always say is step back and recognize that is part of being human and we, we should be kind to ourselves in a way that is part of being human. And it's not easy, especially when it comes to investing. Uh, this is why so many fail at it because it, it's not easy. One, when there is euphoria, staying out of it. And I always go back to the best investor of all time, Warren Buffett. Part of the way he became Warren Buffett is he didn't get involved in peak periods of euphoria. And he took a lot of, uh, a lot of heat for doing that at, at times, for not getting involved. But then in periods of desperation, despondency, when there's a lot of fear, and there's been many periods like this in history, you got to be very, very careful not to disrupt the compounding in your long-term plan just to feel safe, even though that can feel like the right thing to do at the time. You always have to kind of go back and, and think as I do, look, storms come and go, either the physical world or the emotional world. They can go on for longer than you think, but they do end. There is light at the end of the tunnel. And in my investment experience over, over a few decades now, uh, there's been many, many storms and there will be many in the future. But as I look back, and Miles certainly has a, the data on this, if you think about a century worth of data, stocks, bonds, cash, gold, real estate, owning publicly traded businesses, stocks, is the best way to go. That's where you're going to, that's where you're going to create and preserve wealth and just saying that it makes it it sounds easy, but the hard part is sticking with it, and that's why many uh, many do fail at this. You just got to stick with it. Remember that you own great businesses, and as Ned Goodman, the, our, our founder, is is famous for saying, he never met a rich pessimist. So always remember that you have to be an optimist in life. You have to be an optimist to be a successful investor. I've never I've never met a pessimistic investor that's uh, done well over time. Just think of some of the best investors and inventors over time, like Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, optimistic people. Avoid social media, I would say, as much as you can. It can be hard to do. You're going to catch a lot of negative news on media sites, social media sites, because that's how they get high ratings. So try to avoid that. Don't overtrade. Overtrading does not work. Market timing doesn't work. And uh, remember, your time horizon is everything. So no one knows what's going to happen over the next month or year. If you look out 10 years, your risk declines massively. So you just got to always keep that in mind and, and remain a little bit stoic and, and we'll be fine. Jason, your comments on you know owning great quality businesses, this is a, a great segue into a question for you, Miles. And it's around the subject of active investing versus passive. And when we're in times like this, the question is, why do you think active management in terms of portfolio construction and, and building out an investment program is particularly important? An active manager has many different tools that can be used uh, to enhance the risk-adjusted return of a portfolio. You know, cash levels can be adjusted, industry uh, allocations can be altered, and those are just a couple of, of the important steps that an active manager can take to change the characteristics of a portfolio given uh, shifting circumstances. However, you know what 
What is probably the most important is the manager's ability to differentiate uh, between investments. And, and I, I think Jason did a, a really good job of speaking to this uh, earlier in, in different ways. And here, I mean that, you know, in periods of financial stress, uh, like we're seeing today, we, we often see stocks, uh, regardless of their fundamental health, uh, moving up and down together. So in other words, the good, it's called the good in quotes and the bad in quotes, uh, they get treated with the same brushstroke by, by investors. And, you know, I think this, this can create some important and meaningful uh, mispricings or, or dislocations within the market that I believe a bottom-up stock picker uh, can capitalize on. You know, if you take a look uh, back in at history, um, some of the uh, more difficult investment environments, like for example, uh, that which persisted in for a good portion of the 1970s, uh, offered some of the best long-term opportunity for for an active manager. So I think you know, in times like this, the active manager does have some tools at their disposal uh, to help the performance of a portfolio. Well, Miles, Jason, I want to thank you both for joining us today and sharing your perspectives and your insights. For further information on any of the topics we discussed, please contact your financial advisor or feel free to join us at dynamic.ca. At Dynamic, we believe strongly in the concept of investing with advice, and we hope you found this call informative and useful. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to another edition of On The Money with Dynamic Funds. For more information on Dynamic and our complete lineup of actively managed funds, contact your financial advisor or visit our website at dynamic.ca. Thanks for joining us. This audio has been prepared by 1832 Asset Management LP and is provided for information purposes only. Views expressed regarding a particular investment, economy, industry, or market sector should not be considered an indication of trading intent of any of the mutual funds managed by 1832 Asset Management LP. These views are not to be relied upon as investment advice, nor should they be considered a recommendation to buy or sell. These views are subject to change at any time based upon markets and other conditions, and we disclaim any responsibility to update such views. To the extent this audio contains information or data obtained from third-party sources, it is believed to be accurate and reliable as of the date of publication. But 1832 Asset Management LP does not guarantee its accuracy or reliability. Nothing in this document is or should be relied upon as a promise or representation as to the future. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of return are the historical annual compound total returns, including changes in unit values. And reinvestment of all distributions does not take into account sales, redemption, or option changes, or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. Mutual funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated.